Now for an episode in our series, Trying Something New. We're talking to women who've made a career change or picked up new skills post 40. As the retirement age rises, many of us will work into our 60s and even 70s. Time to channel Eos, the Greek goddess of new beginnings, with her insatiable desire for love and adventure. Sounds good? Okay, so are we retraining or rethinking? We want to hear about how you did it, why you did it, and was it worth it? Welcome back to the podcast. Our guest today is the amazing Claire Stevens. Claire is an expert in corporate governance, having worked in this area for over 20 years, mainly in the public and charity sectors, or third sector, as it's often referred to. She has deep expertise in governance for public housing, health, mental health organizations, including nine years at the Care Quality Commission and 13 combined years at Look Ahead Care and Support, where she is now. Over the last five years, Claire has taken herself back to school part-time to retrain as a professional counselor, with the ultimate goal of transitioning to running her own practice full-time. Caroline and I have known Claire since university, and we've been lucky enough to call her one of our closest friends. We've weathered all the highs and lows of long careers and raising our families at the same time. I can say hand on heart that having a good group of friends around through all of that has been instrumental to keeping one's sanity. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Most importantly, I've got to ask you the catchphrase, which I'm trying to elbow into every episode. Claire, are you feeling on the right side of 40 today? I am. Thank you. I am. <laughs> I'm always Me on the right <laughs> So today we've got you on to talk about retraining and reinvention in middle age for a second or third career. But let's start at the beginning to understand why you decided to train as a counsellor and how it went. Congratulations for recently qualifying. Thank you very much. So why'd you do it? Why? Why, Claire? Why? Is it because of us and all of our problems? <laughs> yeah, you know, just listening and listening. I think it's something I always wanted to do, but didn't quite feel I had the life experience for. I mean, counselling, you have to have been through life a bit, I think, to be able to sit there <laughs> and feel you have something to offer. And I think I kind of floated through my 20s and 30s and had children and and stuff didn't really start happening to me until I was in my 40s in terms of not so good stuff. But I handled it quite well. But actually, it was my career. I'd been working for the Care Quality Commission. I was listening to a lot of people and I realised I wasn't actually qualified to do so. So I thought being somebody who likes to know how to do things and know that I'm doing them properly, which is a whole other story, and we may get into that later. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I thought, I know, I'll get some training and see how I go at this. And uh, thought actually my my governance work was was very, very structured, and it's very cyclical, and it's about rules. And I thought, oh, what on earth could I possibly bring to this? What would I know about about helping people with their lives, even though that's what I've been doing. But actually, counselling is about listening, and listening a lot. And and actually, that's what I do. I listen to I've listened to organisations for 20 or 30 years, I've listened to my friends, and it enabled me to draw upon skills that I I didn't really know I had, but I now know that I have them and they're incredibly useful and they're about being empathetic and insightful and able to able to listen and sit with people while they work things out. And I don't have to tell people what to do. In fact, counsellors definitely don't do that. But I listen to people and help help work through what's going on for them and offer some insight, but 
people know, normally know the answers. So it's great. I get to listen. I get to use all the skills that I've already had that I didn't know I had. And I don't have to actually tell people what to do. <laughs> I think, I mean, you did know you had these. You must have known you had these. Yeah. But do you think that the training, you know, becoming a qualified counsellor means it's given you the self-confidence? It's absolutely given me the self-confidence which yeah which is about any career change and if you're going to change your career you want to make sure you know how to do it and that you can do it we're talking about my career change not not other people's and, and other people might find it a bit difficult because the thing I've learned most about learning to be a counsellor is about myself more than anything anything else and actually learning about how I can utilize who I am and make the most of, of who I am and what I like doing yeah so did you have therapy yeah. as part of the course? I've heard that from other friends that have trained as a, a counsellor. Is that the sort of standard thing? Yes, it is. You have to have about 40 hours of, of therapy. And oh, interestingly yes. enough, I, I hadn't had it. I hadn't had therapy before I started. <laughs> you didn't need to. You had us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had great friends and uh, and lots of great advice and guidance from my friends. But yeah, and I was terrified. It was a really interesting process to go through because my first one, I was, I felt absolutely sick, thinking, God, I'm going to find out who I am, and <laughs> I'm really awful. <laughs> so, and um, and now I've worked with clients and been through it myself. I think that's quite a normal reaction. But what you find out is about who you are. And most people aren't awful. And if you are, then then there's other things going on that you may need to get some more professional help for. That's but very you know, reassuring, isn't it? Yeah, to think that you're not awful. There's just stuff yeah. going on. And I there's think I, com going on. Yeah. I completely agree with that. It but did you find it exposing, that the yes. idea of somebody kind of probing and asking yeah. questions and... It, well, not really. I mean, I don't know if, if anyone's, I don't know if you've been through counselling or anyone who has. Actually, it's not probing. You only probe as much as you want to. And if you're feeling, what, what it, it taught me to do was to listen to, to myself and how I was feeling and listening to those feelings helped me understand what was going on. So sometimes if you're feeling angry or if you're feeling angry because you're feeling uncomfortable or you know I work quite a lot in bereavement at the minute and the thing that people ask me is I don't want to feel sad anymore well actually feeling sad is really helpful <laughs> and and normal <laughs> and and is an okay thing to feel so I, I tend to work with getting people comfortable with their emotions and then what those emotions might be telling them because we are emotional people so maybe what they are afraid of is that they'll always be sad yes. do you think yeah because yes. it's nice to know that it's normal yes. but it's not a nice feeling is it so maybe if it's part of a process and yeah. that's what therapy can help with exactly. being comfortable with it and knowing there's an end I mean yes. I find that comforting hearing that yes. actually. yeah yeah and the end isn't the end may you may not know when it's going to end that's the other thing is that I can't can't wave a magic wand and say okay if you do this this and this by next Tuesday you're going to feel fine because it doesn't mm -hmm. work like that but it's about it's about being more in tune with your emotions so sometimes people realize oh actually for that moment I didn't feel sad and we might just explore what was going on for somebody in that moment that we were just talking where there wasn't a sadness there was another feeling that came in so yeah 
It's interesting. You were talking earlier about how having some life experience under your belt sort of helps you be more empathetic with people. And it sounds like the therapy piece sort of heightens that sort of sensitivity because you're on the other side of the mirror. You've experienced it yourself and you can imagine how they're responding to the counseling. A little bit, yeah. I mean, the other thing you learn is what is your feelings and what is someone else's. And you get to learn about the relationship. It's about counseling is about you're in a relationship with the person you're talking to a therapeutic relationship but it is a relationship and so you you get to understand what's going on between you and also what is what is happening to yourself and you might be responding to certain things and something might trigger something in you that you had no idea really at the time you just noticed what's happening there and it may tell you something about that person or it might tell you something about yourself so and it's all it's just it's about listening to yourself and that's what I've learned most about it which I've you know I'm still running my old career at the, at the same time at the moment but it's given me a huge amount of insight into how I work and operate in any field and anywhere in anything I'm doing which is is can be incredibly useful has it made you more empathetic at work and more effective in your other career? I think I've always been empathetic. and Sometimes that has hindered me a little bit at work. Now I know what's going on. I can use it and use it quite effectively. So I do think, OK, what's happening for me here? And I sometimes think, and what's happening for the person I'm with? And what are we what's going on here? And I name it and we talk about it. And it is much more effective. Interesting. So when you started on the course, therapy is obviously a big component of it. So what other sort of pieces of the course were you, you know, did you have to go through and, and how does one train to be a counsellor and what sort of obstacles did you have to get over? Some of them maybe self-made or sort of, you know, how did, how did it happen? <laughs> That's a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. How about we start with, how about we start with, Claire, you said you did a bit of training to help you with work. Was that the start of your counselling course or was that something else? So it wasn't with work. So I had I, I was given a task to listen to some people who were quite traumatised by things that had happened to them. And I was quite good at it. I had built up quite a good rapport. But I, I did feel that I was entering into a kind of counselling relationship. But I had no clue what I was doing. And I think I mentioned earlier, I like to know what I'm doing. I'm doing things right. So I thought, oh, I'll do an introduction to counselling and just see where this goes. And so it was a 10 week course. I did this. I didn't do this at the time. I did it a little bit later. I had left the CQC and had gone back to work at, at Look Ahead, where I work now, um, in a slightly different job. It was a very, very big job and it was actually too big and they needed to restructure. And at the time... They, I know them very well and they said I could I could do two things they could restructure me out if I didn't want to take a pay cut or a different career or I could I could take the pay cut and would carry on working them but I could I could do what I wanted and I really thought about it and I'd actually this would have been my fourth redundancy in about Crikey. 12 years and That's and I thought I, I actually can't do that but they really they were great and they offered me a way out because they wanted me they just didn't want the job the job was wrong and I thought well this is a real opportunity because I could either have gone I was a director and I could have gone and been a director somewhere else in a health place I could have got easily walked into a job but I just thought mm. oh, I actually don't really want to do this but when I'd been at the CQC and I'd been working with these people and not really knowing what I was doing I had a sense that I was quite good at it and I thought 
this is something I've always wanted to do. Let me test out and see. So it was a bit of testing. Do you really know what you're doing or was it just lucky and you just got on with these people? Or let's let's see what happens. So I went for a 10-week course and I said to my employers, I'll take the pay cut, I'll take the lesser job, but I want to work less hours and I want you to give me the time to do this course. And they said, all right. <laughs> okay. So I did yeah. and I and I that shows I, how much how well they think yeah. you know, of you. And also, you know, you it was clear all your years working in governance, you saw that you were in a really broad role and it needed to be delivered in a different way. Yeah. And yeah. um it's funny when you say about redundancy, because we've got an episode about redundancy where we talk about this a lot and how for people of our age, it's everybody's been through it. And yeah sometimes multiple times and it's often all it is is organizations restructuring and like when we were younger redundancy was quite a rare thing whereas now it's it does seem to be the most common way to restructure organizations and you get caught up in the middle of it but what it can do is be a springboard to other things which I think in your case there was an opportunity there yeah exactly I took the opportunity because yeah, like you said, it's exactly that. All of the previous redundancies, the three, were for very different reasons. Not really for my fault. There was a massive global economic crisis. Yeah, it never yeah, feels good, working, though. Working for small organisations, etc. So I thought, actually, or a restructure for different reasons. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to take some control here. So that's what I did. And so that was at the backdrop. But the counselling, this was something I really, really wanted to do. And I had, I suppose I've, I'd fallen into my career. So to date, it sort of happened. I found ways I, I had, I think, I've worked at Look Ahead for prior to going back and had a really good mentor and the chief executive who who was who started off she was the organization's first employer she was a lawyer and she was there started as their company secretary so they've always been very rooted in governance and I learned a lot from her and and my career developed through her really and then I got experience elsewhere and then went back yeah and I thought actually I'm going to make it's time I started making choices for myself and and I was going to see how this would go and I think a lot of people yeah I think a lot of people fall into a career or they take one step and it leads a certain way I mean I think we all relate to that children and you know you need to get the bills in and you don't hate the job and I've never actually I don't hate my job I I actually really like the governance and Mm. I didn't think that they would be compatible but actually I think they are because I think I I think you know I realized that all my job as I said earlier is listening I listen I sit in meetings and I listen and I guide and 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 advise based on a set of rules now the the course isn't is there are I suppose they do learn the theory is it's not quite rules for living but they are there is so the sorry the counseling theory that I learned is is is, and I call you know like all theories and based on research about why people may behave the way they do or think the way they do or what influences them so it's the same kind of thing (laughs) so what I do is listen to what is right for this organization and governance sorry for this person and Mm. governance is the same what is right for this organization so there were lots of parallels which I wasn't expecting to find in my course but I did (laughs) how did people react when you said that you were going to retrain as a counselor be it friends colleagues family 
I don't think anyone was surprised. When there are any difficulties in any job I've been in any organisation, there's usually been queuing at the door to talk to me about them. <laughs> so, so there was a big hint that, <laughs> the big sign that, yeah, you're a person people talk to quite easily, Claire. <laughs> well, definitely. You're, not just your personality, your experience as well. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't think any of you were surprised. No. <laughs> no. No. And I think actually, I think only one person at work was surprised or expressed surprise. But I think that person had had a lot of therapy themselves. And I think I would be the last type of person. You choose, you get the clients you need, the clients get the therapists they need and and I can see that I think if he thought he would get someone like me he probably would run a mile it wouldn't work so or, or yeah so that that was the only the only time everyone went really <laughs> so but again I kind of knew where he was coming from so that's uh, fair enough I mean yeah, exactly. not everybody wants the same type of person and no. although there's a set of rules from what I understand you know it it is a like you say it is a relationship if it's yeah. not the right person then yeah, exactly. it's not going to work so tell us how do you actually do it how do you become a counsellor in this country I mean anyone could call themselves a counsellor it's not a it's not a protective title which is annoying although okay. there's lots of things going on there but I wouldn't do it without training so what there is there's, there's different bodies but the main body is is a membership body the British Association of Counselling and Psychotherapists that's a membership body and they have a whole ethical framework and a way of working and once you're qualified you sign up as a, a member you you're qualified and that is actually most employers look for you to have at least a level four and so okay. and that's I, what you've done and that's what I've done yeah. yeah. So that took that took me five years to to get to that level four. So it's a long time. And once I started yeah. practicing, saying to people, uh, you have to say ethically, I'm still a trainee. But actually, I then follow, you know, qu not qualified it, but also explained what that actually meant that I haven't just come out of a classroom and come straight in. That actually getting to the point where I'm working with clients was four years. So so um so that's quite a lot of training, and it's. It's very again because I quite like structure. The structure of training really, I really enjoyed it. The whole model is based around a listening model and a helping model. And you look at theory, you look at the relationship, you look at, at ethics, you look at professional practice. You have to have supervision, and so um, and oh, and diversity as well is really important. So there's like seven areas you cover, and you have to answer. Well, not answer. You have to address all of those areas or subsections of those areas it's about 50 or 60 areas twice each year for four years okay. is it a four-year period or was it like that because you were studying part-time while you were still working most people do it part-time you can do a degree but you mm. it ends up taking the same amount of time it's still yeah four years. So most people do it part-time how um, was that <laughs> working full-time and training to be a counsellor 
it yeah I really don't know how I did it I think I, I remember thinking sitting down beforehand it was fine up until the last the last two years are really intensive because you have to have 100 hours practice skills practice yeah. you have to have your own therapy you have to have supervision you have to have so many hours of supervision depending on the number of clients you have and I worked full-time and I am not I'm still not sure and you I have did. a family as well yeah, yeah I have a family. <laughs> Yeah, I just told them they were on their own. <laughs> you also have to write lots of papers as well. So there's an academic aspect to it. That was, that was the easiest bit for me because actually mm. it was practical. The hardest bit was the, it's word limited to a thousand words, which is, is nothing. I write all the time. So, so that was quite hard. There was an exam as well which I had to do, which was a, an assessment. So you had three weeks to do it. Again, word limited and very precise way of writing in a in quite a different way. That was quite interesting because, like I said, I write all the time and I did learn to do something different there, being very case focused and focused on again your focus on the relationship and my relationship with my clients and what's going on between us. So not even really talking about the client, you talk about what's happening and then and what theories you're drawing upon to work with this client was there ever a moment in the especially in those last two years where you thought i i, I can't finish this or you just thought this is not for me uh yes yeah <laughs> i was very anxious about getting this right and doing it properly and i hadn't been in therapy very long and the nerves were showing when I was speaking, when I was practicing, you, you have to do skills practice in the class. And my tutor said, you need to wait, you're too nervous. And I thought, what am I doing? I'm just rubbish at this. It, it went straight to my, oh God, you thought you'd be good at this and you're not kind of be perfect, <laughs> be everything. Mm -hmm. But actually the therapy really helped work through what we worked through that and why I was like that and understand a bit more about myself and why I did that and and actually the one thing I learned was that being perfect is not really very helpful which was actually quite hard why would I not be perfect and getting everything right all the time but actually that's not helpful it's not possible and as my boss kept telling me I have a very very supportive boss and she says Claire there's no such thing as perfect <laughs> and, uh, it's like oh really but understanding that and then and it and also then it really helped me understand what was happening with clients and yeah it just just gave me a whole understanding like I said this course made me understand more about myself than it did about anything else and I am much more effective in all of my work settings now than I was before it's mm. amazing to hear actually yes yeah. You know that it's had that profound effect on everything in your life as yeah. opposed to just you know it's a process that you've gone through and it's a training but it's life enhancing and that whole thing about being perfect i totally recognize that you know it's i think it's something particularly women of our age you know when we've gone through our careers we've perhaps had to work a little bit harder than other people in the room and it can lead to a lot of anxiety I mean we've been talking about imposter syndrome and apparently that is one of the main symptoms that sort of anxiety you get from you know feeling that you have to be perfect and the strain that it puts on you so I think I think lots of people listening would really relate to that I mean I certainly relate to that if I find it interesting I'm sure there's another person out <laughs> yeah. there called Caroline who might find it interesting too yeah. that's my theory yeah I think, 
Yeah, I think also the other thing, just sort of building on what you said, is that when we've got to our 50s, you know, a lot of us men too, and you get to your 50s, you sort of achieve a, some level of mastery of what you're doing, especially if you've been doing it for a long time. So it must feel very strange to be right back at the bottom being a student again and learning again and not being the master of the subject. Yeah, it was quite liberating, actually, to to not have to do that and to start in a room. I mean, the one thing about counselling is that you tend to be in a classroom of older people. It's very unusual to be young. There were some people in their 20s. They were allowed on. They were very wise souls. They were, they were fabulous. <laughs> but it's it, not if you're young. I mean, you can st- still do it, can't you? Of I course mean, you can. it can be a, a whole can. career. Yes. I mean, we're, we're particularly interested in, you know, the careers that women of our age are going into and what being our age that brings to it and I, th- I think the way you've described it is ex- exactly kind of what we're thinking in terms of life experience but yeah that going back to the classroom I understand that whole idea of liberation as well and I think it's really fun to learn as well isn't yeah. it particularly when you've been in one role you know one career for a long time yeah and yeah so these bunch of people that that we work there are amazing and actually they probably know more about me than anyone else, probably even more than you guys, maybe. Just everybody was in the same boat, learning a new skill and learning about themselves at the same time. It was incredibly liberating. And I, I didn't mind that. And I suppose what I am, what I'm left with is thinking about, well, how do I use all of this now and all of my experience in my new new role and how can I bring it all together and there are I mean there are some challenges counselling you don't go into it to earn lots of money and I you know I still do have those bills to pay and I still do have you know family to support and how do I get the balance right so that's what I'm juggling with now but also my experience my maturity I'm pissed off that it's not recognised paid well of course it's mostly women that do it I was going to ask on the course, was it, I mean, I'm just assuming it, it was majority yeah. women. It was majority women. They they worked in, in our final two years. They We were all interviewed and they put together the class and they tried to get a balance as much as possible. So there were actually five men on the course out of out. 15. So, okay. so it was, you know, still much less. I haven't done any research to know whether they get pay, will go into better paid jobs. It's it's difficult to tell. They were actually mm-hmm. most of them were younger, but it is there is a kind of acceptance. Oh, we, we can't charge very much, and we can't do this, and we can't do that. And there is part of me that is thinking, you know what? I've worked really hard for this, and I've got a really good career. I've got a lot to offer. And I would like to think of a way, not, it's not that I want to monetize things out of people's misery, but there must be a way of making this valued so that we can earn a proper living. It's about the value, you know, the value exactly. that you bring in valuing the work. Yeah. I think similar to all sorts of other caring industries like nursing, where it's predominantly women and it, it isn't valued the same way as other medical professions are, but it should be. Yes. And so I I thought that, you know, my idea when I first started doing this is that, oh, I would gently, g- gently just move careers and I'll float away and, and be working with clients and I won't need to worry so much about money. But of course, I do still need to worry about money and earn money. But also, I'd, I think I do have I have a, the skills that I also didn't really appreciate 
that I do have is actually there is a lot of governance involved in in safeguarding yourself and clients and running a business and I know how to do that so I have I, I have skills that I can bring in which I recognize that most of my colleagues on my course didn't have that experience as of course they can learn those skills there is part of me that wants to kind of do something collectively to try and push that agenda a little bit more I know there are people looking out for that but I was I I think I was I was irritated I read something about two men who'd worked in the city then used their networking to charge about four times as much as the rest of us would charge and were making it and I just thought well why can't I do that why can't I do that (laughs) and using my my own networks which are not as lucrative as the city for sure because I've only worked in the charitable and health sectors but but yes, making sure there is value to this work, and there is value. I mean, that we've just mm. been through COVID. I think you know, there's still the national anxiety levels are probably higher than they've ever been. <laughs> I think we can almost feel it sometimes, or I certainly can. And I think you know what, there is a value to this work. There's a value to the NHS to to look after our mental health that is beginning to be recognisable you have to pay for it and you have to pay people who are well trained and well placed to do it safely and work safely with people so I may not go quietly into my little my shed at the bottom of the garden which is my my dream I'm feeling a bit agitated at the minute as well (laughs) I see an advocacy group in your future possibly I think what you're describing is, I mean, it's it's a frustration in the value of these kind of skills, but also, you know, you have a qualification that you've worked hard for. Mm-hmm. It's not just that, it's experience in the workplace over many years. And you come as a whole package. You're not just starting out as a counsellor. And what you're not seeing is career paths laid out for you. And unfortunately, it sounds like you're going to be a bit of a trailblazer in this. And, you know, and it's, we were saying before, you know, these do tend to be considered to be sort of vocational careers, but the word vocation doesn't seem to have much monetary value attached, which, which does bar people, which bars good people and really qualified people from taking up these roles. I mean, those are the people we want. I mean, it's always going to be difficult transitioning from one career to another, particularly when we've got mortgage and people to support and just the bread and butter of life, isn't it? So it's interesting to talk to you when you're kind of, because to be honest, the end of this story does feel like it should be. And then Claire set up her practice and gave up her job in governance and moved over to this new career. But what I really like, and it's not nice for you, but I like about this conversation is it's it's realistic, isn't it? Because a lot of us could train to do different things. It's not just it takes time. You know, yeah. it's not an overnight thing, which and I sense your frustration. I'm frustrated on your behalf now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it is just you got get to the end of the four years and you're like, oh, I'm not in the bottom of my garden with my lovely <laughs> sofas and cushions and <laughs> nice carving pictures on the wall like I thought it would be and lots of cups of tea and <laughs> just yeah. Like, oh. Reality. All essential parts of therapy, I think. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a whole lot. So, but how does your brain feel being able to split it that you will have to be on these two tracks probably for what ten years? Or... Yeah. Pro- 
I'm a bit tired right now, in, in all honesty. <laughs> but I'm also, because I can sense my my anger about it, I think actually I think I'm feeling feeling I can do something about it. I think I feel the same as I did five years ago when I had was given this option of like, you know, go and do more of the same somewhere else and be fit or take a bit of control. And I think actually I think I can still take a bit of control. I still have that ability to do that. And I think that's what's going to keep me going. And I'll somehow work it out. I think because I know that my governance role isn't that different from my counselling role where I could probably still work them both. I could go freelance and one pays really well and one pays not very much. But that doesn't feel very satisfactory to be still on that one covering the cost of the other. So I don't know, maybe we all make those compromises all the time. Somebody, uh, someone was saying to me this week about work and they said, you know, if it's 80, 90 percent good that's probably good enough isn't it and I thought you know in the past I might have gone no no you you really want to be striving for some but actually I'm thinking 80 90 that's quite high isn't it there's always going to be stuff that you don't like you know maybe most of us are settling for 50 60 70 at the max you know there's a reason they call it work isn't there you know nothing's (laughs) ever going to be ideal and um, I suppose it's identifying the things that are really important and sometimes those important things are about you and how you feel about your job and sometimes they are just paying the bills that's the most important thing for most of us isn't it so as you're talking actually I realized how actually I am pretty lucky and this course had like I said this course has taught me a lot about myself and and also that I can take control and I am really respected for what I do in my day job and I can mostly pick and choose I'm at I'm at the level where I can say actually this is how I'm going to work and this is how I will work and this is what I want to do so I am confident enough in myself to to try to make that work does that make sense so I'm I'm not compromising myself I think I would just not I'd I'd like to do more than 80% governance 20% counselling I'd like to get more of a balance and to work out how to do that I'm still working that through yeah it's interesting because what I'm hearing is that you don't want to think of the counseling as like a side hustle it's it's really it is a career choice that you're making and so you're trying to figure out the the finances of of how to make it work and what what do you need to do yeah yeah there's a, the how to make it work the finances I mean it's a it's a very funny industry so they rely a lot on volunteers so I am mm. working as a volunteer so I'm still doing that now and I love it I love the clients I work with and I make that work so even when I'm really really busy I will still take an hour out of my day or an hour and a half out of my day to 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 do that to do that work and it's I usually see about two or three clients a week and that's free and a lot of organizations I work for a hospice that's how they provide their counseling service through free and they get training and then quite often people will then go into private practice and still do that balance so and I'm still you know while I haven't quite worked out how to do my private practice I'm still getting a lot of practice in through volunteering and it's quite comfortable I get free supervision (laughs) so so I get a lot of support (laughs) well in some way I mean I do you think it's a counseling is a career that is you're forever in training 
in, in yeah. a sense, oh, that you're going to be constantly learning and improving. And I think also going back to, it's funny that you talked about your governance job as your day job, but I think just picking up from what Eve was saying, I think what we're talking about here is having two careers at the same time, which I think, you yeah. know, it's not a case of having one or the other. And I think more than ever, lots of us are going to be Jug not juggling two careers, choosing to do two things, mm. whether it's because you feel you have expertise in one or there's crossover, or maybe just you've been doing one and then another comes along. Maybe it's not something you need to fight. I mean, maybe that's what you're recognizing that yeah. there is a huge amount of crossover and it's not one or the other. It's just the proportions. You know, when you were saying 80 20, I can imagine over your life over the next 10 years that changing mm -hmm. in different directions maybe maybe that's not a bad thing maybe you don't have to give up one for the other or it's just yeah. a proportional thing yeah yeah and I think you're right I think I think because yeah it, we were taught you know you have a career and you see it through to the end and then you retire and then it's all lovely well retirement <laughs> Well, that's what this podcast is, uh, you know, yeah. that was one of the reasons we started talking about this, because it just doesn't work like that anymore. No, People are going like to change that. career, mm. they're going to try new things, and none of us are retiring soon. And maybe we, we wouldn't want to. I mean, I, I imagine being a counsellor, you don't retire, really. No, no. <laughs> It's no, one of those yeah. those precious careers where I, I'm up there with librarian as well. I think these are really good careers which you can do for a very, very long time. Yeah. And age, is, age yeah. only improves it. That was definitely one of my fa factor in my thinking about what I might do next because I didn't want to stay doing the same thing. I wanted to learn. I had a lot. I knew I had a lot more to offer. So, yeah. I think it's a very helpful conversation. I think you've been counselling me. Maybe counselling. <laughs> that's, what that's what we're here for. And uh, we'll send you the invoice yeah. at the end of the podcast. Yeah, yeah you have to your word. I've just said that. <laughs> Can I ask about, you mentioned about you're doing quite a bit of bereavement counselling. Is that yeah. a choice? Is that yeah. something you fell into? Is that, how did how did that come about? And I presume you're not just doing that, but you seem to have sort of gravitated yeah, yeah. specialized in yeah that. it is it is what I'm specializing in at the moment it was a choice actually because I thought there was a lots of different options where you could go but I chose it because I thought actually it's the one thing we all do and I personally am terrified of it <laughs> so, okay so you're not alone in that exactly yep. you know our own mortality our family's mortality and yet we spend a lot of time supporting people through birth but we don't through death and and I was and just and also family experiences and you know as I I was growing up and stuff I, I knew a lot about living with with grief and or at least I had experienced it so it I, it didn't feel like an alien idea and it has been been amazing I love I've loved the work I've done people I mean lots of people on my course were like oh I couldn't do that I couldn't work with that much grief or sadness but actually it can be there are some really joyful moments in it and and also just life affirming and it's I, I don't it's a hospice so I also work with people who are, have life limiting illnesses as well not so many of those it's usually bereavement that I've been working with but yeah I've it's it is it's a 
experience of being human <laughs> that we will all have more than anything else. So, could you have imagined twenty years ago you hearing yourself say this that you're working as a bereavement counsellor? No, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a moment, isn't yeah. it? Because it's it's yeah. the saddest, hardest stuff, isn't it? Mm. Death and illness. Yeah. And yet, I mean, for you to say about moments of joy, I mean, that's that's both so refreshing you know yeah. and different really yeah because um, yeah. I think most people would have the attitude like you were saying about your colleagues that you know I couldn't do that yeah and also post 40 this is the time in our lives when we as individuals are starting to encounter these situations and having someone to help us guide us through it would be really great yeah, <laughs> yeah. well I think there's there's another side isn't that the other side once you lose somebody it's a place where you didn't expect to be so having somebody to guide you in that yeah uh, yeah and, and so often I mean working with people that you know their loved ones are in a hospice there's generally only one way going but the shock that people have at that loss yeah and just and then you know supporting them through that is yeah it's such a privilege and people are so brave to embrace it counseling isn't for everybody and people get through their grief in lots of different ways it's not like oh you will feel better if you have therapy and some people find it helpful and some people don't or they come to it at a time that's right for them but joy does sound like a, a difficult word, but some people do find joy in those moments, even if it's just being able to talk about the person they lost without crying for five minutes and just or to tell me something about them they'd forgotten because they'd been so immersed in the loss or yeah. 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 I think yeah. the more that we can talk about it, the better. I think, you know, for yeah. a very long time just as a culture we don't talk about death we don't engage with it we you know we sort of almost pretend it's not happening yeah. which is why it's it's often quite a shock when it comes yeah. it's inevitable but it you know it doesn't have to be that bad of a shock yeah so what advice would you give to you know because i know a number of people all women who have opted to become counsellors in middle age. So what advice? <laughs> Me too. I've met quite yeah. a few. Yeah. 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 What advice would you give to anyone who's sort of contemplating, hmm, maybe this might be for me? What would you say to them to, well, that they should consider before jumping in? I think, yeah, don't underestimate the amount of your personal stuff you have to bring in. You can't do it half-heartedly. You have to put all of you in it and that's not I mean I I had to hold down a very busy job at the same time and I know there are times I was I did have to compromise while I was doing that either either the course or, or work but I balanced it out but I think yeah you have to be prepared to throw yourself in to learn about yourself and yeah you can't do it without bringing your whole self there is what I'd say for counselling for sure <laughs> so yeah did you see people drop off as the years yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah, some people dropped off in in the it, just in the ten week course. That was enough for them. And then you do a, a yeah the ten week course, and then it's called level two, then level three, and then level four is a two year course. And I had I had a gap between level three and four, which is why it took me four years because I I had some work commitments that I knew was going to make it difficult that year. And actually, it was okay because then we hit COVID, and COVID enabled me to do it because everything went online. So. So the difficulty I had was managing time sometimes, but mm. I had no travel time. It's interesting because your advice 
is pretty much the same, I think, to anyone, which is, you know, bring your, make sure that you know that you're ready for this. But so, which I find fascinating that maybe there's nothing different being a younger person jumping into this or an older person. No, there probably isn't. There probably isn't, actually. And I was always in awe of the younger people on my course because they were also equally willing to throw themselves in and to 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 learn about themselves in in a way that actually I wasn't in my 20s (laughs) so I was blissfully or maybe unaware or maybe I wasn't blissfully unaware I was just anxious and didn't want to know (laughs) (laughs) if I'm honest so what haven't we asked you that's really important I suppose I still don't have the answers. Was I supposed to know the answers by now? To, to, this is where I still don't know the answers, but I'm okay with it. I think it's what I want to say. As I've got older, I am. I I still don't know where this career and now I've got two careers are going to end. Actually, thank you, Caroline, for saying you can have both. Of course, I can have both. <laughs> I'm <laughs> learning from the you. <laughs> I know. Thank you. We learn from each other. So, so yeah. So I still don't have the answers, and I'm okay with that. That's really <laughs> good advice. It's really yeah, good advice. Definitely, which is lucky because I don't have the answers either. But <laughs> yeah, but I think it's liberating, isn't it? I'm thinking, you know, we we've had to know the answers. We've brought up our kids. We've, we've had all these, we've had jobs yeah. where people have relied on us. And, and I think we've, we've, we've kind of like, yeah, we're going to get to the point where we know the answers. Well, we don't. And that's okay. Well, maybe because there isn't just one answer, is there? I think that yeah. is something that yeah. you, you, where you get to when you're a bit older, isn't it? You realise there's not one path. Yeah. People end up in the same place by different routes. And you know, if you don't know something, it's okay. And sometimes I just, I keep thinking, I often say to my kids, it doesn't matter if you get it wrong, because it means you'll learn from it, you'll remember it next time. And sometimes when I don't know things, and I'm in a situation, and then someone tells me, it it feels quite good to learn new things. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah we don't have all the answers because there's more to come or you know there's just different ways of thinking about it just because we're old women there's much more to come <laughs> what, what is that? Some of the old women <laughs> <That's a midlife>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also felt a little bit uncomfortable you saying middle-aged but I know it's true <laughs> do you know middle, this is the problem though isn't it middle-age midlife you know older women we don't like any of the titles that are are given to us but you know we kind of need to embrace them really we need to reinvent them as something that is in the same way that if a woman is called a bitch I think well good on her own it it. she's she's probably just She's probably just saying something someone else doesn't like. (laughs) (laughs) Or speaking the truth that nobody wants to hear. Speaking the truth, yes, exactly. We don't, you know, there are a lot of words used to describe women that just don't don't seem very attractive to other people or to us. But the reality is here we are, so... And that's why we're trying to own the right side of 40. You know, we're we're trying to embrace that being over 40 is perfectly good. There's nothing wrong with it. I certainly am enjoying it far more than I did the 
first 20 years before I was forty. <laughs> that was just a training ground. It was my training ground, yeah. For yeah. the good years. Yeah. It's actually, I'm just sorry, you just reminded me of a conversation this today where I was told that I was being I was being more aggressive than usual. And I said, I'm not being aggressive. I'm just telling you something you don't like hearing. I wasn't saying about them. It was, it was, a, it was a piece yeah. of information they didn't really want to hear. <laughs> and, uh, I think that's a whole episode in itself. I think it is, yes. About when people are just expressing a difference of opinion, where does exactly. that become aggression? Yeah. 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 But my training made me realise because I would have yeah, a few years ago and I've thought, Oh, am I? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm terribly sorry yeah. I didn't mean to be. <laughs> but now I'm like, actually, what am I doing here? What's going on here? No, that's what's happening. You're uncomfortable because I'm telling you something that's uncomfortable. So I made them feel better about it, but still stuck to my opinion. <laughs> the price of entry. <laughs> So maybe this is a good place to leave it. And thank you, Claire, so much for coming and talking to us today about your second career, your multi-career, or uh, how should I say this? Your double career? <laughs> two My careers and counting. Yeah. yeah, two careers and counting. So thank you so much for being with us and talking to us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, let us know about it. We also want to hear what you've been up to since turning 40. Get in touch on our website, rightsideof40pod.com. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at RightSide40 or Instagram at RightSideOf40Pod. All content is arranged by Eve and Caroline. And a big thank you to Terry and V. Neal for writing, performing and mixing the original music.